Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Trigger warning, this episode contains discussion of the death of a child and mental illness and our usual foul language. Here, I mark some stuff that will inspire you from the Bible. Yeah, fuck you. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. I've been up for a long time. I'm now a morning person. (laughs) when did that happen (laughs) like it's only two weeks it's only been two weeks so two weeks now you're a morning person yeah not bad as i'm up before nine o'clock that's amazing for 45 years you've been not a morning person i've been battling it okay it's okay i think the whole world should run on like a 10 o'clock start well i don't to be clear i still don't start working until like 10 oh that's a morning person for you but i'm up early no, but I'm up and I'm like having time in the morning, which is nice. I'm not just running out of bed, jumping in the shower and then working. Okay. All right. Um, everybody, I just want to remind you real quick that we've started our after school special series. Um, you may have heard the day my kid went punk <laughs> on our main feed. The rest of those, one a month, will be on Patreon. You can join our Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You get two bonus episodes a month. One will be an after-school special, or an ass, as we're calling it. (laughs) And the other one will be a blockbuster or something else that we come up with. And it helps us to keep the lights on. We really appreciate it. So if you can join up for Patreon, we'd uh, super, super, super love you. Is that good, Jen? Would we super love everybody? You can love whoever you want. That's true. It's a free free world. Fly your freak flag. (laughs) Love whoever. (laughs) Okay, today we're going to continue our look at Little House on the Prairie with Season 4, Episode 3, My Ellen. The description reads, A young girl loses her life during a trip to a local swimming hole. The mother, the girl's mother blames Laura for the accident and alienates everyone around her. With Eloise now disconnected from the entire Walnut Grove community, Laura attempts to cheer her up with a home visit and some flowers, but the woman's emotionally unstable condition puts Laura in some real danger. Okay, before we started recording, Jenny said she's irate over this episode, so I'm just going to do a little exercise here. Can I guess who you're irate at? You just say yes okay. or no. Okay. Laura. Um, I'm not irate at her. The pervy boys. No. Mr. Taylor. Yes. <laughs> yep. Doc Baker. Ding, 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 ding. Doc Baker. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> 
Li- Rev Alden. Listen, the list goes on. Listen to The Day My Kid Went Punk for Jenny's Love Affair with Doc Bricker. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's not true. Okay, Jen, we open on the Ingalls girls and some rando running home from school. So, ding, 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 we have a rando. They go to the rando's house to ask her mother if they can go swimming. Mrs. Taylor, Eloise, that's the mother, says, yes, they can. They can go swimming, and the girls run off. Wait, did you catch this, though? First of all, I forgot to say, directed by Michael Landa, written by Michael Landa, just so we're clear. Um, did I love how when they're trying to convince the mother, mother to let her go, She's like, did you do well in school today? And Laura's like, she did better than Mary. I love how, like, Mary is the academic stick by which everyone is, is measured. <laughs> Mary's probably like, fuck you. She did better than me. All right, Carrie's lagging behind, like, bad. Like, they are going to lose Carrie. And the girls hit a fence, and Laura says, let's cut across old Busby's place. Mary puts on her narc hat and says, Pa says not to, Laura. To be fair, you got to control this kid because you see what she gets herself <laughs> into. Like, Mary, this is what Mary should be doing. Keeping Laura on the path she's supposed to be on, whatever Pa says that is. Because as soon as Laura goes off the beaten path, some shit happens. It's manslaughter. Yeah. So there's body count. <laughs> okay. Laura says she's not scared of old Busby. And we know, Jen, that Laura's not scared of any crazy old no, person. No, apparently she's not scared of anyone. Yeah. Mary says she'll tell Pa if Laura does this. And Laura goes, and you would, too. She would. She would. 100%. <laughs> she knows Mary in her narking ways. She relents, and the girls run away from Busby's, who happens to be sitting by the fence in the bushes, hearing and watching the whole thing. Yep. Okay. Next, we see the girls swimming, and there are two little boys spying on them. And they're like, they're just dying to get a glimpse. And I'm so naive and stupid, I didn't know what they were trying to look oh at. Oh, my God. And then I realized... What did you think? I realized they're trying to look at them naked. Yeah, what did you think? I don't know. I don't understand why they're naked, though. I don't either. I don't either. And they are. They definitely are, because there's nothing on their shoulders. Yes. yes. So, like, they definitely at least have no shirt on. Yes weird and like mary's like 15 yeah, like what are and you like doing? don't they don't they usually swim in their like bloomers like yes. that under stuff yes yes okay Super then, weird. then one goes oh look they're getting out and then literally literally says the greatest line ever uttered oh never mind it's only carrie well but carrie's like six but it was like pretty great because i was like i feel your pain rando number three then what happens okay so then the boys sneak down further, and they're desperately trying to, to see something here. And then suddenly Carrie pops up. Right that was the them. creepiest, weirdest thing, right? <laughs> like, she was like, something from the omen. Like, it was so She's weird. all like, what are you doing? And they're like, we're fishing. <laughs> and she's like, there's this whole exchange. She believes yeah, them. True. And then she yells to Laura, and the boys run. So Mary and Laura hide from the boys. And I wrote, are they naked? Oh, my God, they look naked. <laughs> That's I mean, random. Don't get That's me super wrong. Random. We skinny dipped with our friends when we were younger, but it was yeah, usually... Yeah, but this is the Ingles. It was usually dark. We were usually drinking a little bit. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? This is Fine. the Ingles. This is broad daylight, the Ingles. Yeah. Yeah. So they're relieved. Mary and Laura kind of are hiding from the boys, and they're relieved to see the boys running away. Then they suddenly realize that Ellen, the rando who's with them, like is nowhere to be found. Yeah. That was a scary moment. That was. It was really eerie how it was filmed, yeah. too. Yep. Good Good for you, Michael Landon. Yeah, nice Give job. Give him an Emmy. 
He's not the cinematographer, though, let me just say. That's true. They call out to her, but can't find her, and then immediately run to get Paul. Good move. Good move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we cut to Paul leading a rescue mission on boats with torches. Whenever they have the boats with torches. You know it's bad. You know it's bad. Like, just the sight of those boats with torches freaked me out. Well, and then Laura was like, did you catch Laura said, maybe she's hiding to fool us. No, she's not you, Laura. Right. She's not you. Because that's something Laura would do. Yeah. Hey, lay off, okay? (laughs) So then they find the girl's body and then cut to Reverend Alden praying at the funeral. What happened, though? There was like three feet of water. Like, they never really... I don't like know. Like, she, she could stand. Like, she didn't have, like, it, and let it me, was a pond, so there's no current. Like, I don't... Let me say weird. something. Caroline and Charles... Carolyn, sorry. Later, she calls herself Carolyn. So, I have to start calling her Carolyn. Okay. Carolyn and Charles are at the funeral. They're not crying. No. I would be sobbing hysteria. I they're was crying tough, watching it. We've already discussed that they're a tougher bunch than us. Oof. Jesus. Okay, the mother flings herself onto the coffin. I mean, at least Charles didn't have to bury this body. That's true. That's true. He did have to be the pallbearer, but he didn't (laughs) have to bury her. Uh, So Eloise flings herself on the coffin, and then she's leaving, and she sees Laura, and she's all like, you did this. This is your fault. Now, I have a real problem right here. Not only with this misplaced blame, but you can forgive her. She's insane with grief. Sure, yeah. Charles sees this and does nothing. Right. And he should have protected his child at that moment. Well, but was it, what was he going to, was he going to cause a scene at the No, funeral? but he should have walked over and taken Laura and walked yeah, her yeah, out yeah. of that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Period. Like, it went on for a good two minutes. Yeah. He had plenty of time to walk over there, or Carolyn, and take yeah. her out of that situation. That pissed me off. But, like, why is Laura always the center of, like, shit? She like is like the red giant of drama and like just every every situation is orbiting around her. Well, like all the shit is orbiting around her. I was trying to think. So she was blamed for Nellie's accident. Yeah. She was blamed well, she blamed herself for Charles Jr.'s death. Was there another death she's been blamed for? That she what didn't cause. The... I mean she caused that last death in Gold <laughs> Country. There were, wait, wait, time out. Pause. All right, we're back. About she, Jack. she also blamed herself for Jack's death. Yeah, so I have that this is Laura's crushing guilt episode 10,721. Yeah. That kid, man, I'm telling you. Thank God that she has the emotional fortitude to, to withstand all of this. But why? Why does she always feel guilty about stuff, him? And why doesn't, like, Mary? Because Mary has no soul. No, that's not why. No, that's why. Mary has nope. no heart. She had... What did no. you... Wait, what did you have when you were little that you had to get packed in ice? I had a fever. I was going to go into compulsion. That's what Mary had. And she has no soul or heart. Mary doesn't feel guilty because Mary wasn't there. Because Mary is not in the middle of all the shit. Mary was there when she died. But Mary... Fine. Mary was there when she died. But Mary wasn't the one trying to convince the mother to let her go. You know what I mean? Like, Laura was right in the middle of, like, convincing the mother to let her go. I think talking her into no, it. No, I think we could trace it back to Mary being packed in ice and her heart froze. <laughs> <laughs> like Laura Laura is there when all this shit happens like mm-hmm. she's there when the guy burns his house down like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's right in the middle of all this shit all the time well when you're the town empath this is what happens <laughs> okay 
Okay, Mrs. Taylor Eloise gets home and Reverend Alden is with her. This is the greatest scene. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) He gives her a Bible with some passages marked and she says, you know, we have the classic trope here. I'm angry at God for my kid dying. Okay. Which I think is, you know, a valid response. She goes on about how dark it is in the ground and how Ellen was afraid of the dark. And she kicks Reverend Alden out. Don't you come around here no more. And she throws the Bible at him. She throws his Bible at him. It was pretty great. I was living for that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, instead of talking to her, yeah. he's like, here, I marked some stuff that will inspire yeah. you from the Bible. Yeah, fuck you. I'm like, start- you're no help here. I'm starting to think that Laura is Walnut Grove's version of a therapist. Well, it certainly isn't Reverend Alden, and now he's not even trying. Like, that's not even trying anymore. <laughs> here, here's right? He's the like, Bible. here, I bookmarked the Bible. Good luck. He's not even fucking trying. He doesn't trying. even sit and say, let me read a passage to you. No. He bookmark, bookmarks it and makes her read it herself. Yep. Ooh, Good Jesus. luck. All right. Yeah, he's, he's not even trying anymore. The Ingalls get home, and Laura runs into the drama barn. <laughs> Paul follows her and tells her it's not his fault. Or not her fault. People say a lot of things when they're mourning. And she was like, well, it was my idea to go swimming. But he reassures her. He says the exact right thing. Like, this was just a terrible accident. Nobody's at fault. I mean, poor Laura killed yet another person. But then he says the exact wrong thing. Eloise just has to learn to lean on the Lord and she'll be okay. Okay. On this current course, Laura is, like, she's going to be the Charles Manson of Walnut Grove soon. Like, how? <laughs> what's the body count? Is that on the bingo card? Thank God Vincent Bugliosi's not around to fabricate a case against her. <laughs> Laura is directly slash indirectly involved in someone's death. Yeah, pretty much. At Mrs. Taylor's, she's refusing to eat Carolyn's soup because she thinks it's guilt soup. Damn fool. I'd eat that soup. <laughs> I know, me too. Then she starts blaming the husband. She says, if you were here, you wouldn't have let her go. I mean, guys, you don't need to to have a degree in psychology to understand. This is totally normal. She's going through the phases. She's going through the phases. Grief. Grief. When you lose a child, it's so hard to make a marriage work after that. Divorce is usually common. So her blaming the husband is a natural reaction. He, of course, is not at fault, but she's blaming him. Right. Then we have this weird scene, okay, with Charles and Jonathan Garvey. Where the fuck is Edward? Let's name? take a moment to go to Amy and Jenny's rage corner. That makes me mad. <laughs> I'm pissed. What's the rage corner? Are we just like bouncing off the wall, like the punching rage, it? The rage corner is. We're gonna need it for the next two seasons. <laughs> when there is no Mister Edwards, and I'm not okay with this. We needed him in this episode. We needed him in this episode, 100%. He would have... Because Garvey is more like... I think Garvey may be the new Carl's Jr. <laughs> I think right? you're right. He's, he's kinda, a little Carl's Jr.-ish. kind of like slapsticky. <laughs> he gets himself in a situation. And like doofy. He's very doofy. Yep, yep. You're 100% right. So they're fixing this big wheel, and Charles mistakenly turns the water on, and Garvey's not ready. He spins around... Mill. Right, he spins around, he gets all dizzy and shit. And I wrote, Edwards would have went for 18 loops in that wheel, and he would have been okay. This is the most bizarre, random, stupid scene. Like, why did he write this into this? Because they're trying to establish Garvey as the new ride or die, and it's not working. No, no, sorry. It's not working. I'm going to call Garvey. You know what I'm going to dub him? 
He is going to be Paul's side piece because he is no ride or die. I have a question mark, though. Does he become a little... He be, he gets into hero mode, but I wouldn't say he's the ride or die, although he's looking for Laura. He is looking for Laura. <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. So Garvey then says he's going to go for some sarsaparilla, and he heads home. But actually, he's heading over to Olsen's and runs into super judgy Reverend Alden. Super not having a great day, Reverend Alden. <laughs> who shames him for being drunk. Like, he really shames him. Well, he passes, he, almost, he falls down on the stairs, so it's a fair assumption. Right, and we all know that these guys get drunk at work all the time. Yeah, we know what goes on in And where's Grace? Like, why doesn't she have an eye on this from the post office? Well, I like how they talk about Grace, or they talk about Allison, but they never show her. Oh, yeah, I know. Weird. So back at the mills, Jen, Charles is doing your favorite thing, schlepping around some seed. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Alden pops up and asks him if Carolyn would go see Mrs. Taylor because she's struggling. And Charles, Can he clean up this mess? He didn't mention that she threw a Bible at him. Though. No, he didn't mention that. But Charles is like, yeah, I'll go right now and leaves work. Like, does no one punch in and out? She's near the edge, Reverend Alden says, because he did such a stellar job on this. Then Garvey pops up and asks Charles to confirm to Alice that he's not drunk. Like, that just made no sense. It's super random. Stop trying to make Garvey a thing. He's not going to be a thing. Well, I feel like they're trying to make him Edwards. Yeah. Like, look, I may come to love Garvey, but he is not Edwards. No, he's not Edwards. And don't put me in the rage corner again, (laughs) because... Jenny and I literally raged for about a half hour on the phone the one night about this. Like, what is happening? They, I'm still listening for any mention of Edwards and this lumber logging empire that he has. They just write every episode. They don't think of it as a series. You're right. I feel like that's what happens. You're right. Yep. They have every MFA student write a script. <laughs> and then they be. I don't know. I think they're in the high school classes now. Yeah, maybe. Carolyn shows up at Mrs. Taylor's and she encounters Cal in the yard. Cal's the husband. And he tells her, you're wasting your time. Miss Taylor threw me out. I'm leaving. And he actually, but he actually shows some emotional maturity. And he's like, you know, I can't deal with this right now because I'm mourning too. And I need Mm -hmm. to to deal with my own emotions. I was like, wow. Okay, Cal. So now this is Carolyn's fucking problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she's a badass, and she's a better doctor than Doc Baker, so we'll see what it's happens there. He packs up the team. I just like to say he packs up the team. He packs up the team and heads is, over to Cousin Clay's. He hitches up the team. You don't pack up the team. <laughs> Where are you packing the team? <laughs> Dumbass. Oh. So she knocks on the door, and she does announce herself as Carolyn. So I'm going to have to say that from now on. I always say Caroline. Whatever. Eloise yells to her, you're not welcome here. Because you're the murderer's mother. <laughs> right. Right. Later, Jen, the Ingalls girls are walking to school and they randomly have presents for Mrs. Beetle. Miss Beetle, but we yeah. don't know why. No, uh, no reason why. They're fighting over the gifts and Laura says that maybe she'll give her flowers to Miss Taylor. Here we go, Jen. She's going to Mrs. Taylor's. Like instead of, okay, Charles, like I'm not even a writer. Let's remember this. Why did you have to write this complicated fighting thing with Laura and Carrie, and then they get into this big, well, I'm giving her two gifts, then you're giving her one. Mm-hmm. This whole confusing thing, when they could have just been like, Laura's walking by and says, oh, I'm going to bring what's-her-name some flowers, because she's probably sad. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, I'm just going to go I pick know. some flowers and bring them over. Like, that would have been fine. Because he has to have a reason to play the hokey music. So he plays the hokey music while the sisters are bickering. Like, oh, sisters oh are bickering. God. Hokey music. He gets paid a dollar fifty every time he plays that. <laughs> the hokey is that music. the is that the theme music to Laura getting involved in someone's business? Yeah, it's not not to be confused with bachelor music. Right, that's different. Okay, so Laura says she's going to leave them at the door. Mary's like, "Don't go." No, Mary has heard this so many fucking mm-hmm. times, and it results in Laura getting like a disease. It results in all these things, <laughs> like Laura yep. cutting across the property. She's told. For some unknown reason, not to cut across. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's just doing all the things she shouldn't be doing. She mm-hmm. never fucking learns this kid. Mm-mm. So Laura cuts across Busby's. She gets to the tailor. She knocks on the door. It opens. Laura finds Mrs. Taylor and gives her the flowers. Okay. Mrs. Taylor, Eloise, whatever. We, what do we want to call her? Mrs. Taylor? I don't care. Eloise? The mother. Starts <laughs> hugging and kissing the flowers. Red flag. <laughs> There's so many red flags. Like, does Laura? This kid has no sixth sense for when she's in danger ever. No, she really doesn't. Ever. For being an empath, she can't pick up. Yeah, that. she doesn't mm-hmm. pick up the danger. She whispers. The mother whispers. My Ellen always brought me flowers, and looks at Laura, and sees Ellen. And right when that happened, I something in my bones like remembered this episode. Okay. I totally in your bones? Like your bone marrow? <laughs> yes, my bone marrow. The calcium? My bone marrow raised its hand and remembered this episode. <laughs> like, I had a primitive response to this. A primal well, response. What was the primal response? Like, I was traumatized. Triggered. Okay. I remember this as a kid, and this was really upsetting for me as a kid to watch. Like, her going back and forth between being Ellen and Laura was really mm-hmm. crazy. All right. Oh, I have Allura. I think that's Laura. Allura. <laughs> Laura tries to go to school, but Eloise asks her to fetch her apples in the root cellar. And I'm yelling, don't go to the cellar. Don't go to the cellar. I just have don't ever willingly go into a place with only one exit. Mm-hmm. Jenny, is this why mom hates cellars? I don't know. That, I mean, are you going to try to get inside mom's head? <laughs> why does she hate basements? I don't know. I, not only like it's one thing to not wa- like them and not want to go into them but to n- not want it there right like to not want your house sitting on a basement right. guys a whole my level. mother will not move to a house because it has a basement that's gonna be tough in northeastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> i don't know i don't know all right so she laura goes down the stairs and mrs taylor slams the door on her and then there's super zoom on a creepy picture of ellen yeah yeah Okay, next we see Mary running from school to the mill, and she tells Pa that Laura never made it to school and that she had to cut across Busby's to get to the tailors. Mary's just like, I can't deal with being responsible for this anymore. Mary's Here, like, Pa, deal with yep, this. Mary's deal with like, this. here's Here. the hot potato. Take it. <laughs> Take it. Charles is concerned, and this poor man Edwards, poor man's Edwards, is like, I'll give you a ride out there if you like. That's not how you do it, Garvey. It's not nope. how you do it. You just so, say, I'm coming with you, man. We got this. Yeah. And you hitch up that yeah. team I'll get and you the get team. the fuck out I'll there. get the team. That's all you say. <laughs> you, don't, you don't ask for permission when you are in hero no. mode. No. Jesus. Nope. All right. So Charles and Garvey get to the Taylors and they ask for Laura. Miss, Mrs. Taylor tells them Laura never showed up and she seems perfectly fine. <laughs> so crazy. She's like smiling and stuff like Charles. Shouldn't you realize that Reverend Alden just told you she is off the deep end? Yeah. Now no, she's he doesn't fun. realize this. Okay. 
So the men go to Busby's, and Busby happens to have Laura's flowers and her Because tablet. the crazy mother threw them out in the field near his house. She did? Yeah. Did we see this? She had to have. Like, she was oh. the only one that had okay. it. We saw okay. her take it outside. We didn't see where she put it. But the flowers were in the house. Laura had her bucket and everything. So okay. the mother took that and planted that evidence. Okay. All right. Okay. The mother. The mother's dark, man. There's a lot of mental illness going on here. I have an undiagnosed index card. and untreated. I have an index card. <laughs> Ugh, all right, go ahead. When do we start treating mental illness? Like for real, not the part with cutting out people's brains. Oh wait, that was the fifties. There was no official term to describe emotional or behavioral struggles that had existed for ages until William Sweetser started using the term mental hygiene in 1843. That said, there had been ample evidence of mental illness through history via documented cases covering a wide range of issues from anxiety to alcoholism. Notable historical figures who have been str- who had struggled with mental illness, Edgar Allan Poe, Beethoven, Churchill, Virginia Woolf, Hemingway. I mean, the list goes on and on. On and on. Mental illness was present long before we had names for it. Disorders we know today as depression, PTSD, and bipolar disorder had such names as hysteria, which was a masochistic thing. Mm-hmm. Shell shock, psychosis, and in some cases, demonic possession. Wow. When the 20th century came around, society finally acknowledged the... The existence of medical of mental illness and doctors start to treat these conditions, yet perception had a long way to go. For centuries, mentally ill people were seen as otherworldly, crazy, or dangerous, often with deadly consequences to the mentally ill person, as we see in this episode. Mm. So, like, we just did, like, like, the woman is going through severe crippling grief. Yes. No question. Yes. And, like, that whole idea of, like, the five stages of grief and that, that, oh, none, yeah, of that, that none of that existed at this time. Yeah, yeah. And then... Busby, I'm not sure. He has some kind of developmental disorder, it seems like. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is. But he's he's like, um, he definitely has some kind of, of mental illness. Yeah. I don't know if it's a mental illness no, or developmental illness. No, I think it's some illness. kind of impairment. Yeah, yep. And like they, so they other him, right? Yes. Automatically. Yes. They just other him. And that causes, all, like, so now he's clearly the suspect because, yeah, like... We still don't we'll treat mental illness the way it needs to no, be treated. No, we don't. Treated. No, we don't. I mean, well, I... Re- it's still stigmatized. I remember when I was working on the school shooting book, the schools that happened before Columbine, you wouldn't believe the stories that, that kids were telling me. Like, one school, they had they had the students return the next day. Because the wow. principal was like, we need to, to walk this off and the get soldier back to on. normal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so they had to have the community come in and clean the wow. walls and shit of the blood. Like, they lost five of their classmates. Jesus. And just, like, just, you know, pull yourself up, move on. Like, that was that was the common thought. It's like, you just soldier through it. And the sad part is, is some of these things are so treatable. Yeah. Like if they're just recog- like depression is a huge thing. Like so treatable now and like people just suffer with it. Like because it's a, there's a stigma. I, one of the good things coming out of the it's this plague it's becoming destigmatized. <laughs> this plague is things like that are becoming destigmatized. Even some of the pharmaceuticals like it's not like you know like you know I talk about this all the time when I went on antidepressants like it was unbelievable. And you don't have to be on them forever. I was on them till I needed to be on them, and I haven't been on them in 15 years. Right. But it's it's incredible because you don't even know what normal feels like. 
Well, and what's interesting about that is I often rail about social media and the the perils of it, but that's one of the good areas where celebrities and people at the platform have come out. The Me Too movement, we saw that, but also mental illness. Talk about depression openly. Like I was listening to Dak Shepard this morning who talks about his own addiction and his struggles like regularly. Well, and and the fact that... that we the, you can you can change these things like you can mm-hmm. make yourself better and and get help and be better like you don't have to suffer endlessly with these kinds of things like it's it's something that's completely treatable and you look at some a lot of them you look, a lot of things you are. look at somebody like this mother and how many mothers like that were there like look at caroline she lost her infant son yeah crippling grief that just yeah. got swept under the carpet yeah. and like that doesn't not affect you it just it doesn't yeah. not affect you you never get over grief. It just goes with you. Yeah. You carry it yep. with you. Yep. I just want to say my index card, the sources are Baton Rouge, Behavioral Hospital, and John Hopkins. Oh, it's not just Jenny, Jenny's not imagination? not just me making shit up. I mean, it's kind of light on information this time, but okay. that's a deep topic. There's, We could spend a long time on that. There's some... So Garvey and Paul get to Busby's, and they don't find Busby, but they find the tablet. So you think when they ride fast in the wagon, that's hero mode? feels zero modish like they're off to do something they could just be speeding do they just speed for no reason <laughs> i don't know do they pack up the team and go for a joyride <laughs> they just bust in no they just bust into his house yeah and his house is not good but even though they like they like why do they feel like they could just walk it like bang like because they bought their although him. although i have to say like garvey does kind of toe the line here like like hey we can't do this hey if you notice he's kind of the voice for that a little bit yeah no edwards there edwards would be dragging busby down to the creek and giving him some creek creek justice justice. yeah (laughs) he would be all right in the root cellar eloise is giving laura ellen's clothes to wear we have some creepy music and eloise plays with laura's hair and laura tries to tell her that she's not ellen but she's like terrified of this woman so then the mother makes Laura say, I love you, mama, and shit like that. It's and it's sad. And I could tell, like, Laura, you know, in her rebellious way, was ready to not. And I'm like, Lord, what are you going to do here? Like, you're you're trapped. I know. Like, just make the right decision. Yeah, just go along with it, dude. <laughs> Charles and Garvey are now orchestrating a search team to head to Busby's. And Cal Taylor, the girl's father, is there. And he has a gun. And he has a gun, and he's drawn some kind of connection to, like, well, my girl drowned in a creek near his house. Uh-huh. Dude, the, Laura and Carrie and Mary were right there when this happened. Like, the guy wasn't, like, so if do you, you see how this need, happens? If, it becomes a witch hunt. If you need a blueprint as to how to railroad someone, here it goes. Well, if you need Cal- a blueprint as to how the friggin', like, Salem witch trial yep. started, this is how. Cal Taylor says... Garvey's like, you can come with us, but you're not bringing that gun. And Cal Taylor's like, my kid was a good swimmer and drowned. And I'm just saying, you know, now this happens with Laura. Okay. All right. Well, here's the thing with evidence too, right? Like they find the pail and the flowers. Yep. Yep. Circumstantial evidence. Yep. Yep. Circumstantial evidence. So they, they go out, they search, they find nothing. And Garvey sends Charles home. He says they can't find any anything in the dark. Jen? Who would have searched all night, dark or no dark? Edwards would have motherfucking searched those woods. He would have motherfucking did this search. He would have fought a bear halfway through the search. (laughs) He would have had a whiskey jug hidden in the forest. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Charles goes home empty-handed. And that was kind of a sad scene where he comes home and, like, he doesn't have 
Laura. Comes home from where, Aim? Comes home from where? From the search. From looking for Laura yes. again. Yes. Holy shit. This is like the 25th Caroline, time. Caroline is like, Ugh, I'm just they know this to drill. lose this kid. They know, know this drill. They know this drill. So they think they have a maniac situation in Walnut Grove right now. Yeah, that's what they think. So mm-hmm. Eloise then shows up at the mercantile and buys some birthday candles. So in the search party, Cal let it slip that um, their daughter, their dead daughter, what's her name, Ellen, he, she, he let it slip that Ellen's birthday was tomorrow. Okay. So Eloise shows up at the mercantile and buys some candles, and she also buys a doll. And Miss Olson's like, mm. I'm like, Harriet, red flag, yep. red flag, see the red flag. Yep. She tells Harriet <laughs> that Ellen brought her flowers yesterday, and I wrote, why is there always a creepy doll? Always a creepy why? doll, and everything why? we've been doing. That was like such a thing. <laughs> okay, so on day two of the search party, this I'm enraged even reading this. Can I just say about the creepy dolls, yeah. though? Now I understand, like, everyone in art school was, was using dolls as, like, the subject matter. Yeah. Like, they were in everything yeah. when we were growing up. Okay, on day two of the search party, Jen, the men find Busby. He's hiding, and he runs from them. Rightfully, of course he's scared. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cal Taylor shoots him in the motherfucking head. What the hell, man? Oh, my God. And, then- and, and can I just say, spoiler alert... Pays no consequence for this. Oh, I, I go on a tear about that. Okay. Okay. Oh, my God, Jen. Not, like, adding insult to injury, they then take him to Doc Baker. I know, and I was worried, but he seemed to actually save him. <laughs> he did save him, I think. So, like, he can't help you with a broken rib, but he, you get shot in the head and he can save your life. That's, all right. Baker. <laughs> he can do brain surgery, I guess, but nothing else. Baker has him stitched up and says he's weak, but he'll survive. And I wrote, is no one pressing charges here? I think he just got grazed. I think that's it, why he's surviving. Is nothing happening. Oh, right. There's I know. No law. There's no law. How? But you can't just shoot someone. I, I guess you could in those days. Charles busts in and demands to know where Laura is. And I wrote, wait, Doc Baker's allowing this? Like, what is happening here? It's like jail and the hospital. So, and like, there's no detectives. There's no lawyers. What the fuck, Busby man? looks scared. And Charles is like, no one is going to hurt you. Uh, you guys just shot him you, in the fucking after, head. Okay, no one's going to hurt you, even though we just shot you. Yep. Yep. Garvey then says, you need to tell us the truth. No one here is going to hurt you as the man who shot him is standing in the doorway. Oh, my God. This is so awful. Busby passes out. Charles freaks out on Cal. If this dude Finally, the anger is going in the right direction. If this dude dies, I'll never find Laura. Why did you shoot him? Thank you, Charles, for asking the question. He's wrong. He's pissed off for the wrong reason, but okay. But at least the right person. Yeah. Just then, Harriet bursts in. And tells them about Eloise and the shopping trip. She tells them about the flowers. And they're all like, oh. Oh, Oops, sorry. So then Charles and Cal fly into hero mode. And take that. The guy who is a fugitive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They leave Busby to die and they run to the tailors. (laughs) Unbelievable. At the tailors, Laura is getting a delicious chocolate cake. Yeah, it looks really good, actually. She should have just went with that for a while. Like, oh my god. I would have been like, can we just put off the uh, running away and saving me and let me have a slice of this? Is it as good as Carolyn's, though? 
Probably not. Oh, probably not. But it's probably made yeah. with like all whole ingredients. Like really. Well, what good. other options were there? Those highly manufactured exactly. ingredients. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like they just <laughs> the cakes back then were probably so good. Guys, yeah, they probably were. Mimi's send me a cake made like Carolyn's. <laughs> Make an antique cake for Amy. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with cake. You have no idea. Can I Can I just say, don't ever eat something somebody mails you homemade in the mail. If it's from a Mimi, I would trust it. Okay. Okay. Okay, now's my chance. <laughs> Jenny's going to like slap Mary Catherine's name on a label. <laughs> be a Drano cake. All right. No, thanks. All right. So Laura asks Miss Taylor to close her eyes and make a wish. She's like, Mama, I want you to have a wish on my birthday. She does. Laura makes a run for it. Finally. And she can definitely outrun her. Laura can definitely, definitely outrun her. Definitely, but Miss Taylor catches her and attacks her on Ellen's grave. <laughs> like who wrote this, right? Michael Landon. Jenny, do you want to talk about how you were blaming Michael Landon for uh Mr. Edwards leaving? I am blaming him. I I don't know. Oh, am I just talking about it? I don't it? know if there's truth to that. Oh, was I just going off on that on my own yes. and not ever on yes. a pod? You said, I don't know what he did, but he did He did something. something. You know he did. He did something to drive Mr. Edwards away. You mean Victor What French. did he do? <laughs> he did something to drive Victor French and then, of course, the whole Edwards family away. I'm really missing my Carl's Jr. I mean, come on. He would have Carl's been... Jr. would have been with these guys and it would have been, there would have been three people dead. <laughs> <laughs> but Laura could have, I don't understand... This makes me insane. When someone you know could run fast. Laura runs all day long every day. Run, 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 run across the prairie. <laughs> Suddenly she can't She can't run. She stumbles. She falls. Because like, she's got to hit her mark by Michael Landon's standards, which is the grave. Right by the grave. We have to have yeah. you tackled on the grave. Can you imagine this description or this direction? Okay. <laughs> so here comes hero mode whipping around the corner. It's Paul and Cal... Cal Taylor. Paul No, it's Garvey, isn't it? No. Unless Garvey's driving, but Cal Taylor's with them. Yeah, I think he's with them. I think Garvey's driving. So Paul hugs Laura, and she tells Cal that Mrs. Taylor's okay now, and she's by the grave. So she's okay now, Jen. She's good. Everything's okay. What the fuck? She had a major psychotic episode, (laughs) but now she's okay. Like, she's fine. Wow. So a few days later, Laura runs to Busby's and gives her... Gives him her picture book. And she says, my paw and me wanna, want you to have this. Is this their apology? A children's picture book? We want to be your friends now. Since, oh, and your pathetic. Since we shot you and everything. And your pathetic friendship. Thanks. Since we shot Laura, you. Laura, we know what your friendship is like. It's not a gift. No, it is a curse. <laughs> it is a curse. He's going to end up dead for sure. The only reason Busby survived this is because he had limited exposure to Laura. <laughs> Whatever. Jenny, with this ending, I would oh, like God. to invite you all to Amy's Rewrite <sighs> Corner. All right, ready? <clears throat> Here's how this ending should have went down. Harriet shows up at Baker's and tells the men about Eloise's shopping trip. The men go to leave just as a sheriff pops in and arrests Cal Taylor for attempted murder. Cal explains that he thinks Busby killed his daughter. The sheriff says, let's go over basic law as I walk you to your jail cell. Charles runs over to the post office where Edwards is just pulling into town from yes. his two-week trip to yes. Mankato. <laughs> they hop in Charles' wagon, fly into hero mode. Mr. Edwards grabs a whiskey jug from behind the seat, <laughs> and they go save Laura. And in the end, we see Busby reading a children's book as he lounges in the Taylor's old house because after the civil suit, he owns he this He got bitch. their house. The end. Can Edwards punch Mr. Taylor? 
Sure. Molly's in jail. Sure. <laughs> Molly's in jail. That's how it should have went down. But this is this is this is a study of our legal system though, and how things still happen. A crime happens, there's flimsy circumstantial evidence. It makes it easy to blame someone who is the other. The other person turns out or runs out of fear because mm-hmm. that is their mm-hmm. learned behavior. Mm-hmm. And then they get shot. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Because they must be guilty. This is how, like, this happens every day. Yeah, pretty much. Or they get railroaded and spend the rest of their life in jail. Or they get coerced into a fake confession. Yep. Yep. Just watch some Netflix, guys. But was there just, was there not, there just wasn't law, right? Wow. There, in Walnut Grove, they don't have a sheriff. They Remember, don't have a sheriff. we've gone through this. I'm like, they need a detective, and then I realized they don't even have a sheriff. You need that hot sheriff from Deadwood. I don't remember him. Oh, I remember him. Okay. Yeah, that's who you need in this town. He's a, he would be a welcome addition to this guy. He would be bored as motherfucking <laughs> shit in this town if he's coming from Deadwood. Well, do you have to move Swearingen in with them? Do so you feel like once you get the saloon, then you need the sheriff? Like they yeah. come to, they come as a, a package deal. A package deal. It's like Boardwalk and Park Place. You can't have one without <laughs> the other. All right, Jen. So whose fault is this? This is Laura's fault. No, it isn't. Yes, it no, is. No, it isn't. Yes, it, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. This is the pervy boy's fault because they distracted Mary and Laura from Ellen, and that's why she drowned. Is that why she drowned? They they ran when they saw the boys, and Mary, who's the narc and always has the situation under control, was distracted. <laughs> So so it's on her. Mary to make sure everything goes as planned all the time. Well, like she's the, just in charge of everything the everywhere. Point is, the I point mean, she is because she's the older sister, and this is your fucking job as the older <laughs> sister is to make sure everything goes perfectly as planned all the time, constantly. Okay, okay where were you for my ages thirteen through seventeen? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what I'm saying is they were distracted. What were they distracted by? The pervs. Why did they go swimming in the first place? Because Laura wanted to. No, I'm not going to blame Laura. I'm not blaming Laura for that. I'm not blaming Laura for that. What I'm blaming Laura for is butting into someone else's business and going up to this crazy lady's house and getting herself abducted. Why is she even doing that? But the lady wouldn't have abducted her if her kid lived and her kid would have lived if Mary and Laura had not been distracted by the pervs. But Busby got shot because Laura went to that crazy lady's house. You can blame Busby shooting on Laura. Yes, But you cannot blame the whole incident. I'm not blaming Ellen dying on Laura. I'm blaming her getting kidnapped and Busby getting shot on this whole thing. On her. That part she's responsible for. I also blame Michael Landon for alienating Victor French... Because that ride or die would have solved this. Yeah. And he wouldn't have had to shoot Busby. No. He would have chased him down and tackled him. Who? Well, who? Uh, that dude shot him. Well, he wouldn't have let Cal Taylor shoot him. No, that wouldn't no. happen. He would, no. have, he would have punched him while he was aiming that gun. He <laughs> yes. would have, totally. Yes, and he would have said, I'm sick of you in that tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jenny. So at the end of every episode, we look back on the original source material and talk about like a theme or a lesson or some kind of scar we may have brought with us from our our watching of this in the 80s as as little kids we call it our wides designed to finish the sentence gen x this is why so jenny what is your why for this episode i think this is partially why i'm sure there's many other pieces of media and actual news stories that contributed to this but this is why I had always had a fear of being grabbed or kidnapped or like held hostage. Mm, like that was a danger was real. That man. was a thing, man. Right? Like the van's gonna pull up and grab you. Like that was a thing. Someone's that gonna throw you thing. in the trunk. 
Like, do your kids have that fear? Okay, that was a thing because that was a real legitimate fear in the 80s and 70s. Do but you, do you not true crime? But do you not think that that's not still a fear and a it's, thing? It's not a thing anymore. It is. No, that type of crime is way down. Here, way maybe. Down. Maybe in our world. But, like, that thing goes on. That goes on all the time. Like, in human trafficking is a yes, thing. Yes, yes. It's a thing everywhere. It is a thing, but I think it's less because... I don't think it's like, less. I don't think it's... Let me let me rephrase. I think the idea of two kids walking home from school and getting snatched by some crazy dude in a van happens less now because we live in a surveillance society. Well, and I think kids are less trusting. Like, we look at the kids in Walnut Grove, right? Like, people were trusting. Like, I think as time went on these fears became known, you know, these things became known. Yeah. And like, like we, when we were growing up, they taught you about that. Don't take candy from a stranger. Don't They didn't. Because it was happening. Yeah, but they didn't. I'm sure it was happening before that, but they just didn't know think, or think, you know, like, like mom and dad, I guarantee you did not hear those messages growing up. Not at all. No, not at all. But, it but it's not happening. Like, but it was maybe not at the same scale, but I'm sure it happened. There was, mom and I were just talking about this. Like, I'm watching. I was there was deranged the serial Stalker. killers through the 18th century. Like, they were, they've been around for hundreds of years. But the 70s and 80s seem to be very prolific for serial killers. And I think, like, a lot of things happened. But I think one of the things is there was just, I don't know, like, this idea that you weren't watched or there was nobody observing you. And you could just operate in the shadows. But there was easily. always like that. It was, but... Like, we're only watched now. I don't... Maybe the difference is that you never heard about it, because we didn't I think have, that's like, more it. Yeah. widespread news. I think that's more it, because it's not like it didn't happen. It was kind of like the fear of quicksand. Like, it, you're, the chances of this happening to you were so slim, but you were, like, you terrified it about it all real. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, my why is kind of... I feel like we kind of talked about it already. But this is why I have always been obsessed with grief. Like, I remember watching this episode and just being so obsessed with how this woman was acting in her grief. And I remember this episode well, and I remember being fascinated by it. And I think, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that I was exposed to a lot of this kind of stuff on soap operas, which I talk about oh, all the God. time. Little House, certainly. And then, like, I kind of went on to kind of live my life in a way that I try to help people with their grief or like I give voice to grief like through my writing do you know what I mean like I'm really interested in it I don't know why it feels weird to me but yeah none of that happened to me yeah I know Jen (laughs) (laughs) Jenny wasn't sitting around grieving for anyone (laughs) um okay so and then on the rewatch I wrote this is why parenting is so fucking hard you just make the wrong decision. Decision once. Yeah. One time. And it's, it's a lot of pressure. It has devastating consequences. And, you know, just pile it on to parenting. Like, another thing yeah. you have to worry about. And Mrs. Taylor, you know, she was... Obviously, we know now she's lashing out at everybody because the person she really blamed was herself. Yep. But yep. she she was not to blame here. No. It was just a horrible no. I mean, it's not like she let the kid do something totally bizarre or... You know, it's not like Laura was like, hey, let's go to Mexico for a week. You know, like they. <laughs> Next episode, was, Laura goes to Mexico for a week. It was totally reasonable what they wanted to do. Yeah, you know? totally like it reasonable. Wasn't, 
Yeah. And I mean, that girl was outperforming Mary, so maybe Mary held her under the water. Maybe. We didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to outperform me at school, bitch? <laughs> Laura's going to get blamed for this shit. <laughs> where she went? Laura's going to get blamed for this shit. Oh, all right, guys. So, Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? Oh. Let's get our calendar out. It's it's the one with um where Carolyn has the like little bit of a crush on someone. Oh, the handyman. Yes, is that the name of it? I Hold don't know. No, that's not the name of it. But she has a crush on a handyman. I think. No, the name the name of it's the handyman. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> I'm like I think that's the name of it. Oh, of course it is. The description reads: Charles begins building a kitchen onto the back of the house. Ooh, exciting! Ooh. But a sudden business trip leaves him unable to complete the job. A charismatic handyman named Chris is hired to help finish while Charles this. is away. I don't fucking buy this. Chris bonds with Carolyn and the girls. This causes several rumors to sweep about town. And no one is more affected than Mary, who fears that Chris will be breaking their family. Because, of course, the older sibling has to take nope. all of the... Nope. Nope. This is all fake. Fake news. Why? There's no one. You've already reached the mountaintop, Carolyn. Oh, my God. What are you doing? There is no one. What would he possibly have that? Well, let's see. Have? Well, we'll have to see what that <laughs> I've, is. I've been reached already. We'll have to see what that is. All right. Maybe Ed- Paul went off to visit Edwards. Maybe. All right. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed Pretty in Pink, which dropped on the main feed. Oh, yeah. I hope you enjoyed Pretty in Pink since I ruined it with my low energy. Jenny's low energy. To Amy, She's according low to energy. Amy. I was low energy. I'm like, Jenny, why are you so low energy? <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Just because I don't act like you. <laughs> All right. And this month on Patreon, we have Pump Up the Volume coming up. And we have uh, after school special, my pick, Stoned with Scott Bayo. Be prepared. Be prepared. Because I'm coming for him in every way. <laughs> All right. So thanks a lot, guys. And we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. Amy here. If you'd like to support our podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen. To send us an email or connect with us on social, please visit us at genxthisiswhy.com. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.